Welcome to The Nature Connection, the podcast featuring Dr. Les Higgins, who's an enthusiastic bushwalker who studied the psychology of nature connectedness and written extensively about it. I'm Wendy Moore, an artist who finds great inspiration and sanity from wandering in the bush. Both of us are passionate about connecting with nature and we hope that our chats will encourage and empower you to deepen your own relationship with nature. Hi, Les. It's lovely to be talking again. Hello, Wendy. Les, last week we were talking a bit about, well, we talked about lots of things like we always do, but we talked about how our nature connectedness is something that um, that helps us to live better, we enjoy life more. And both of us agreed, I think, that we we dealt with the problems of life better when we were more nature-connected. I'm just wondering whether you're saying that, that nature connection isn't just um, an add-on, it's not just an optional extra in our lives, but it it's actually something that's essential for us. Would you agree with that? That's exactly what I'm saying, Wendy. This might seem a strange idea when you consider that half the human population lives in cities and towns, but ask yourself this. Could you do without nature contacts altogether? Imagine it were possible to create an environment that provided an excellent quality of life but was devoid of nature. Would you want to live there? Oh, absolutely not. It would be like living on the set of some sort of horrible science fiction film, I think, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, um, I, I'm remembering the, that quote about um, Peter Grester, the journalist, and when he was released from a, a prison in Egypt after 13 months, and he was asked about, the things that he was most looking forward to. And, and I was intrigued that he talked about the little things. He mentioned things like sunsets and looking at the stars and feeling the sand under his toes. And he'd been deprived of all those things for so long, as you would be in this environment you were talking about with no nature, but he'd been deprived of those things for so long that he was sound. He was hungering for those things, and I thought, in a way, our desire for nature connection is a little bit like a hunger, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. Just as when we're deprived of food, we've become very much more conscious of our hunger. The same thing uh, operates in relation to nature, in my view. Deprive ourselves of it. And then we find ourselves wanting to restore ourselves, to satisfy the hunger. So I certainly agree that people do hunger and can hunger after nature. I think of a story Mary Roach, the science writer, tells. She um, met a chap who had just come back from uh, a winter at the South Pole. He was a science researcher. And uh, he'd returned to Christchurch, where the Antarctic base is, and he told her that he and his mates, soon after they arrived back, or immediately after they arrived back from the South Pole, they just wandered around Christchurch looking at the trees and the flowers. And um, it, was, mm -hmm. it seemed as if they were having 
um, they were catching up on what they'd missed out on. And this uh, recalls to my mind some interesting uh, observations that were made when the American Navy first uh, started to operate nuclear submarines, which could stay for long periods underwater. And so this was a fairly new experience for the Navy. And what was noted was that mm -hmm. during these extended periods, the the crew, the submariners, began to spend more time, it seemed, near the, in the sonar room. And um, it appeared that what they were just there to do was to listen for the sounds that were coming from the marine environment outside. Now, this prompted the Navy mm -hmm. to institute um, what they called uh, periscope liberty or periscope leave is what we'd call it, whereby the men were given on a roster system the opportunity just to go and look through the, the periscope, maybe just to see the ocean, perhaps even the, the clouds. If they were very lucky, of course, they might even spot a little bit of land. And when they formally investigated what was happening, they found, interestingly, that the morale of the men rose uh, significantly as they were anticipating their time at the periscope. So that um, it seems that mm -hmm. being deprived of nature creates a void um, that we, you know, that we really are strongly motivated to fill. Perhaps we even feel compelled to fill. It's a void that we want to avoid, I'd say. So you're saying that the morale of the men improved when they had the connections or they anticipated the connections. Is it too much of a stretch to say that being deprived of nature um, can lead to physical and mental problems or that I suppose that not being nature-deprived is good for us? Look, there's, there's no clear evidence that nature deprivation actually causes mental and physical illness. Look, it may do. Some years ago, the circumstances in an American prison provided an opportunity to compare the health of two groups of inmates, those that were housed in cells with mm -hmm. a view of nature and those that uh, without a view, I should say, and those that were in cells that had a, mm. a view through the cell window of rural countryside. Mm. Now, the prisoners in the nature-deprived cells were found to be far more mentally distressed and presented more frequently for treatment at the prison's infirmary. So this raises the question then, did the nature deprivation cause the inmates to be sicker? Now, it may, have, it may have been a direct cause, but nature deprivation could have worked indirectly by lowering their resistance to mental distress yeah. and physical illness. We're hearing reports now, because we've been in lockdown and people are now starting to study the impact of lockdown, we're hearing more and more reports about how people's mental health is suffering because of lockdown, and we know that, that this is obviously partly due to anxiety about their situation or what's happening with their livelihoods. And it's also doing, it's also something to do with 
being socially disconnected, all those sorts of things. But do you also think that missing contact with nature could be a factor in this? Oh, very possibly. In fact, probably. Uh, recently, a team of researchers led by mm. Linda Tomaso uh, reported a study uh, that looked at this very question. Uh, her team uh, mm-hmm. surveyed 529 people from four COVID-19 lockdown US cities. Now, they measured, among other things, mm-hmm. how much the people's access to nature had been limited, how nature-deprived mm-hmm. they actually felt, and what had happened to their feelings of well-being over the period of lockdown. And the results revealed a very clear connection between nature deprivation and diminished well-being. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? It's an experiment that we wish we didn't have to have done, but it's interesting that it's happened. And to me it sort of really sounds like it's almost telling us that if we are not nature-deprived, that when we do have that, that connection with nature, that's good for us. That's something that's good for us. Absolutely. Look, there's abundant evidence that contact with nature is, is associated with higher levels of well-being, fewer illnesses, mm. and a reduced risk of um, mm. um, dying from a range of different causes. Uh, in, and mm. uh, this includes um, heart disease, diabetes too and uh, also anxiety and depression. Wow. It seems that people in contact Mm. with nature, Mm. especially nature-connected people, are are more likely to enjoy better sleep and to show up well on those important health markers such as uh, uh, blood pressure, heart rate, good cholesterol levels, lower levels of the stress hormones. Mm. It also seems that Mm-hmm. It's possible that nature plays a beneficial role in relation to other threats of health, including some forms of disease, mm-hmm. uh, some forms of cancer, I should say. Mm-hmm. And, and for expectant mothers who are exposed to nature, there's additional good news. Their babies are at less risk of both uh, of being born preterm or underweight. It's it's just astonishing, isn't it? I mean, listening to what you're saying, I guess for me the, the a big message is that by being a nature-connected person, we are improving our resilience to all sorts of things. So we're improving our resilience at a physical level so that we're more likely to, you know, deal with disease or illness or whatever. And we're, we're improving our resilience to, to deal with emotional things and anxiety and depression. So it's, it's a really powerful tool that we've got in our toolkit for for dealing with life isn't it it's um to me it's it's sounding more and more like you know nature is not not just nature connections not just an, an optional thing but really truly is essential to to our life Yes, uh, you, you said it very well, actually, the, uh, in describing the relationship between nature connectedness and health. And you're, you're, you're also right when you say it's a need. We just have evidence now, um, very, very strong evidence, that when you uh, stack up 
the, uh, this evidence against the criteria for what's a basic psychological need, uh, the result's fairly clear. We can say fairly confidently now that, yes, nature connectedness is there as a basic psychological need. Now, that's, that's a very big deal. Um, it's a huge, huge deal, in fact. Yeah. It's, it means that nature connectedness is an essential ingredient of life. We need to feel nature connected mm-hmm. if we are to grow and function well and if we are to be the people we are capable of being. That is to say, if we're going to flourish. Mm-hmm. I look at it this way. Living without the companionship of nature is rather like playing a piano but ignoring the black keys or having a sailing boat but never using the spinnaker. <laughs> so it's a little bit incomplete, isn't it? Or it means that we're not we're not getting the the full picture. Um, yeah, and I, I I suspect that it means that because you can function at, at some level, sometimes it's easy to ignore or not prioritise that that need for nature connection. And I know that it might be, we might have said this in a previous podcast or it might have been in um, some of your writing, but you you talk about doses of nature. And, and so I think for me this week, as I, you know, think about, okay, well, what will I do this week in response to what I've heard in the podcast, I'm going to really be deliberate about getting doses of nature, something every day, even if it's just, you know, looking at a video or or pictures in a book, just to really make sure that every day this week I get some form of nature connection dose. That will be my thing this week. What are you going to do, Les? Look, uh, very much the same. I mean, this is really part of my life getting these uh, these doses of nature, as you call them. But I'm going to make just a, a special effort this week with my my balcony garden. It needs to have a little bit of a freshen up. So I'm going to have fun doing that. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm just going to take the time I usually do every now and then during the day to go and just look out at the garden and uh, just enjoy the greenery and the variety mm-hmm. of uh, uh, plants and the varying textures of the leaves and things. Really very simple. That sounds great. Well, I'm really looking forward to our next chat and um, we will talk then. Have a lovely week looking at your garden. Thanks for listening. We hope you found our conversation encouraging, motivating and helpful. You can read more about nature connectedness in Les's blog, Our Green Genes, That's www.ourgreengenes.wordpress and genes is spelt G-E-N-E-S or in his book, Connect with Nature, one of the best things you can do for yourself, others and planet Earth. And this is available online at www.connectwithnatureguide.com and at www.inspiringbookshop.com and through all book retailers. To learn about me and my art, visit www.afterthemonsoon.com.